In this episode, we'll discuss God's jealousy, a concept we often encounter in the Old Testament. Is the God revealed by Jesus Christ jealous? Stay tuned to find out. Welcome to the Thoughtful Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck White. Please join me on an adventurous search for the true, the good, and the beautiful. Speaking of the false gods of their neighbors, God told Israel, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. That's found in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 5. We discussed the issue of God punishing down to the fourth generation in episode 9. So we're not going to talk about that today. But we are going to talk about God's jealousy. There are at least 35 references to God's jealousy in the Old Testament, seven of which associate God's jealousy with a fire. For example, in the fourth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, we read... For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. This anthropomorphic figure of jealousy has confused many people. In fact, the second century heretic Marcion could not accept that the jealous God of the Old Testament was the same as the loving God revealed in the New Testament. Let's explore this concept of a jealous God in depth. We'll start with a concept that we discussed in episode 23 that of divine pedagogy. That is, that God revealed himself gradually to Israel over time, culminating in his full revelation in the person of Jesus. And we'll also remember the teaching of St. Augustine, which we discussed in episode 21. That is, the New Testament lies hidden in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is unveiled in the New. With those principles in mind, let's explore what the Old Testament prophets had to say. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Hosea all considered God's covenant with Israel to be an espousal or a marriage. The prophet Hosea, whose own marriage to a prostitute depicts God's relationship to Israel, provides us with these words of God. Quote, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. No longer will you call me my Baal. We can read that in the second chapter of the book of the prophet Hosea, verses 14 to 16. Isaiah and Jeremiah also prophesy a renewal of God's marriage to Israel. We can read in the 62nd chapter of the book of Isaiah, quote, No more shall you be called forsaken, nor your land called desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land espoused. 
For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be espoused. For as a young man marries a virgin, your builder shall marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. End quote. Or how about this from the second chapter of the book of the prophet Jeremiah? Quote, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. End quote. In what is one of the most graphic and explicit chapters in the Bible, the 16th chapter of the book of the prophet Ezekiel, the prophet relates God's words, quote, When I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love, and I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made a vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine, End quote. That's the eighth verse of Ezekiel chapter 16. This figure of spreading the corner of my garment over you is the very same way that Boaz betrothed Ruth in the book of Ruth. In that very same chapter, however, Ezekiel uses the word harlot, pronounced zana in Hebrew, 11 times. And the word fornication, pronounced taznuth, nine times. You see, if a covenant with God is a marriage, then disobedience and idolatry are fornication or prostitution. Ezekiel, as I mentioned, is very graphic. And in that, and in a verse that one only hears at Mass on Friday in the 19th week of ordinary time in year two, we read, At every intersection you built yourself a dais so that you could degrade your beauty by spreading your legs for every passerby, multiplying your prostitutions. That's Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 25. The prophet Isaiah had the same perspective. In the first chapter of that book, we read, How the faithful city has become a whore, she who is full of justice. Righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. God's jealousy, then, is not that of a petty or tyrannical demiurge, as Marcion believed, but rather that of an upright husband who wills the return of an unfaithful wife. The nuptial aspect of God's covenant is fully developed in the person of Jesus and in the New Testament. When answering the disciples of John, when they asked him why his disciples did not fast, Jesus refers to himself as the bridegroom, as in here in the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Quote, and Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. End quote. The word for bridegroom is Numphios appears 16 times in the New Testament and always refers to Jesus. Here's another example from St. John in the book of Revelation. Quote, Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. End quote. That's Revelation chapter 19 verse 7. So let's get back to God's jealousy. 
St. Paul speaks of God's jealousy too, which we see in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 21 to 22. Quote, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? End quote. St. Paul links this divine jealousy to the nuptial meaning of the new covenant in his second letter to the Corinthians. There we read in chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, quote, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ, end quote. St. John Chrysostom, an early church father and doctor of the church, wrote, quote, For God also is said to be jealous, not that any should suppose passion, for the Godhead is impassable, but that all may know that he does all things from no other regard than their sakes over whom he is jealous, not that himself may gain anything, but that he may save them. End quote. Speaking again of this divine jealousy in a homily on Paul's letter to the Romans, St. John Chrysostom wrote, quote, This is why he does not refuse even to condescend to grosser words and to speak the names of human passions and to call himself jealous. For I am a jealous God, he says, that you may learn the intenseness of that love. Let us then love him as he would have us, for he sets great store thereby. And if we turn away, he keeps inviting us. And if we will not be converted, he chastens us through his affection and not through a wish to exact punishment of us. End quote. In summary, it seems that there are several characteristics of God's jealousy that we have to keep in mind. While it is like human jealousy in that it is intense and relational, it differs from human jealousy too. God's jealousy is pure and not for his benefit, but rather for ours, our salvation. It's nuptial, that is, it has the characteristics of married love, which means that it is meant to be lasting and for eternal intimacy. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to the Thoughtful Catholic Podcast. Come back soon.